the Greek philosophers. They are the ones who started it all. We're going to talk about them and their view on death on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey everyone, my name is Justin Kim and you're watching Inverse and on this, in the studio with us we have Sebastian and Callie and Siku. I want to say hi to them. Hello. Hola. Thank you for coming on the show. I want to say thank you for coming on the show because it's important that you, the watchers and listeners, are here with us. We are talking about the topic of the state of the dead. We want to encourage you to go to inversebible.org and download the Bible study guides on Beyond Death. We are in week 13. We're nearing the end of this topical arc. And we've talked about a lot of stuff about the dead, about the spirits, about seances, and about all these things in the Bible. But that's the most important thing, that we're getting our information from Scripture. Yep. There's a united uh, perspective, a united theology, if you will, on the dead. Yep. I want to ask you, we do have one more episode, but just in brief, what are some highlights that you remember from, from this uh, quarter? That we didn't, uh, we're hitting a lot of difficult parts. Uh, but we got a lot of juice out of them, a lot of good, mm -hmm. um, I don't know, for me, we prepare for these studies, uh, and I think most of you do too, and uh, we, we, we get new insights out of, mm -hmm, out of yeah. the Bible study. So, Kelly. A highlight for me has been that we haven't skirted around the difficult passages mm. or the passages that people bring to add questions to this, mm -hmm. but instead we've gone really deep into them and not only clarified them or given more context to them, but also found the heart of what's being taught. Mm -hmm. So things like Luke 16 and also the Witch of Endor and First Samuel and some conf confusing passages yeah. by Paul about absent from the body. I just, I really enjoyed those lessons the most yeah, yeah, personally. Yeah. You know what's cool about those episodes? Like there are some passages in scripture that straight on talk about state of the dead, mm -hmm. like yeah. what happens when you die, and those are clear. And there's other passages that are kind of like, you know, side stories and mm -hmm. they kind of talk about it and then it's kind of like wait that's kind of confusing yeah and, and and so we try to use these that are stable to mm -hmm. kind of interpret the ones that are the side yeah. sidewinders mm -hmm. exactly okay. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sebastian I think for me the study that we did on the Millennium and the judgment yeah. was a big highlight cool. for me just thinking about how knowing that you're going to judge in the future and how that should influence how you live now in deciding matters here. Yeah, there are ethical ramifications yep. on eschatology. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think that was just really profound. I've never thought about the application of the millennium in that way. Yeah. Um, and of course, connected to the dead standing before God and that record that he has, right, yeah. being judged according to your works. So Very to cool. me, it's really, really um, insightful. Very cool. Um, the one that we talked about, Hades, but that Jesus has the keys. Mm. Um, I was not in the study uh, on um, Lazarus, raising Lazarus, but I, I watched it um, and that Jesus is the resurrection and the oh, life. Wow. So that just the concept of Jesus being stronger than death, um, than you know, the pain that, that death brings, that Jesus you know, is, is greater than all of that. Yeah. You know? So that's a There's very definitely hopeful. The, the theoretical stimulation and learning component, but then this topic is, hits home because it's a universal experience, death, yeah. and, and we all uh, can apply it in different ways. And yeah, that's, that, that was a special episode. Well, we'll start with prayer. Uh, we're gonna go to Acts 18, and we're gonna talk about the Greek philosophers, and they are found in scripture. And what Bible has to say and compare those two, uh, the Greek philosophers had a lot to say about everything, about, uh, about everything. Uh, I mean, yeah, every study that you take, 
maybe except for computer science, yeah. uh, the Greek philosophers started uh, how to have a conversation on. So we'll have a word of prayer, and Kelly, if you can pray for us, we'll get started. Absolutely. Father in heaven, thank you for uh, the gift of your word, and thank you for guiding us through these past 12 weeks. As we study right now, I ask that you'd open our hearts and minds to see what you would like us to see, and I pray that you would give us clarity and wisdom and understanding, and ultimately, may we just see Jesus clearly, Amen. and I pray that we would love him more because of how we see him. We ask and pray all this in his name. Amen. 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 I'm going to go to um, Siku, Acts chapter 17, mm -hmm. verses 22. We'll start there. Okay. Acts 17, 22. All right. It says, Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with the inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men, to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are of the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. Okay, we'll stop there. So Paul has a conversation here with the elite of Athens. Yeah, mm -hmm. these are the Greek philosophers. I don't know if this is Socrates and, and Plato and Aristotle themselves, <laughs> but this is that kind of crew that's standing there. And he's having, and this is very high level combo. Mm -hmm. uh, what's going on here, Sebastian? We just read it, so let's give, it, give us a synopsis of what's going on. <laughs> so, I like to go inverse, okay? Um, so, I do just want to highlight one thing, and that is Paul was moved based on what he saw, idolatrous-wise, yeah. right? He was just simply waiting in verse 16, yep. um, where it says, Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Mm. So, Paul, this whole conversation is coming from the fact that Paul is in a place he's not really supposed to be. And this kind of goes back to an episode when we talked about being grounded and being present. Paul was waiting, and had they come, he would not have been there, right? They would have just come, he would have left and moved on. But while he's waiting there, he begins to see how steeped the city is in idolatry. Mm -hmm. And that moves him in his spirit to start basically preaching Christ, and eventually bring him to the Areopagus, right? The, the um, uh, Ares Hill. And as he's there preaching this thing, and he goes through the whole thing that Siku read, Paul is essentially saying to them, because they want to make sure there's no God missing, right? So you kind of have the unknown God. And he's like, well, I will declare him unto you, right? The one that you don't know. And essentially talks about the God of the Bible. 
And ultimately, when he goes to the whole story, they're with him, they're with him, they're with him. And as soon as he mentions bodily resurrection, he loses his audience, right? Because in the Greek mindset of anthropological dualism, which is that humanity is split into, you know, body, physical and non-physical, their whole thing in their philosophy was you're trying to escape the body. Why would we want to come back in a resurrection after death with a physical body that doesn't make sense? And so he lost them, but he didn't lose everybody because the Bible does tell us there in in verse 34. However, some men joined him and believed among them Dionysus, the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. So it wasn't completely unfruitful, but it's not as successful as we're used to seeing Paul when he's preaching the gospel um, and setting up whole churches in these communities. Yeah. Let's take that a little bit slower. Let's go to verse 22 and you see there that, that he's talking to these Greeks and he said, I appreciate that you're very religious. Uh, describes a little bit about Greek, the Greek background there and what you know about the gods and, and whatnot. What, how, how is Paul interacting with these, with these people? Ziku? Um, I'm not sure how to answer your question. Okay. Uh, so th- they had, a, you know, a religion, yeah. and but they had many gods, yes. right? That they had and that they would worship, um, and so and Paul perceived he finds a common ground where he can start the conversation on, as yeah. opposed to coming with in blast mode like that. You are wrong, 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 wrong. He starts with, hey, there's a commonality here, and that you already have a religious inclination, and he used that as a stepping stone for a launching pad yeah. for going into talking to them about. Yeah, there Jesus. seems to be a lot of um, principles we can see for how to interact with with philosophy, with secular culture here, and mm-hmm. exactly like you said, he's not going to argue. He's going to find a common place first. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Greeks were known for all their gods. Yeah, they were known for the you know, god of the sky, god of the ocean, mm-hmm. god of the the home, god of the mm-hmm. cereal, god of not, god of, of the, the cereal, <laughs> god of <laughs> love, <laughs> god of war, yeah. all those. And then so they have all these gods, and then they're like, and then and he's saying that you guys are really religious. You're almost superstitious. That hey, there's the god of the table, and then because there's a god of everything, let's have one, like you said, like just just in case we miss something. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that extra one. And, God, and, and this is a Paul was like, oh, this is like an opening <laughs> yep. into yeah. the conversation. Yeah. And so I mean, it makes us think like, hey, we need to have conversations, learn about the other, yep. and then find an entry rather than always find, well, that's wrong, well, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's ridiculous, blah, 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 blah. And like, <laughs> uh, yeah. But find an, en- find an in somehow. Absolutely. Yeah. Grab, grab, uh, root, grab, get in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like the, the balance of Paul here because I love, as we've just been saying, he finds a place to, to come into the conversation and he doesn't blast about all the other gods that they have and he clearly doesn't believe in other gods, but he's like, let me just focus on that. But he also doesn't shy away from something that he mm-hmm. may know will get them up in arms. Mm-hmm. He does mention the resurrection of the dead. And if he knows his audience, he knows it's not going to go over very well. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't say like, well, let me just stay in the place that we agree. Let me just like stay away from these things that we have issues with. That's right. So I appreciate the balance of here of, of how Paul does that. So we can, even as we share with people, we need to do both. And I feel like for me personally, it's easier for me to do the first half than the second half. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier for me to just be really like focused on our commonalities and how to relate and uh, like repeat all the research I know about your worldview. And I think for others, <laughs> it might be easier just to be like, no, let me just tell you the 37 things you're doing wrong. All right, number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, And so we need both though, because Paul, Paul shows the not only the effectiveness of the ministry, even though it wasn't as effective as we thought it would be, like you're bringing people to the truth. And we've talked about this before, right? Like we're not preaching these things even about the state of the dead because we like them or because they sound great and they comfort us, but it's because they're true. Mm-hmm. And Paul's sharing these things because they're true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's also interesting how Paul is utilizing a similar methodology as Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. 
Because when you when you look in verse 23 and he's saying, I'm, I'm passing through and I was considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. Mm. So Paul is using this thing of what you know and are familiar with to teach you something you don't know and aren't familiar with, which is what we dealt with in the episode on the rich man and Lazarus in the parable. Mm. Yep. And so this this thing that Paul is is able to bring to them is the bridge right to that sort of uncomfortable topic of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And so even though we may find people who have a different view of what happens when you die or what happens after death or that people go directly to heaven, Paul is giving us a model here to say you're going to eventually have to land there. But in terms of the starting, start with the things that are familiar with them and that they are used to understanding and accepting and then build that bridge to them to bring that clarity mm -hmm. and that opportunity. Okay, so we're going to take a break right now. We take a bridge to the other side. So when we <laughs> come back, we're going to look at what the Greek philosophers have to say and compare them to Genesis and God's creation of the world in material and matter and time. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. The Apostle Paul in Acts is hanging out with the Greek philosophers, and he's talking about the superstitions that they have, and he finds a way for an entry point of conversation. We're in chapter 17 of Acts. Let's go to verse 24. Mm -hmm. and it's very interesting what he points out of all the things he can mention. He mentions things that are some in, uh, in a very dia diametrically opposite to the Greek understanding of the world. Mm -hmm. Verse 24, he said, God who made the world and everything in it. So the material world... God made everything. In a sense, right. in essence, there it's it's good. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Greeks thought everything in the material world was bad, and the spiritual is good, and we have to free ourselves from yep. this external what. But he's like, hey, what this God made everything, and it's good. Yep. He continues on. He says, uh, nor is he worshipped with men's hands. Uh, he gives all life, breath, and all things. Verse twenty-six. He made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face. So every human being is essentially good, yep. right? It's the the outside body and and even different types of people. Verse twenty-eight. For in him we live, we move, and have our being. It's cool that he's quoting other Greek philosophers, and he, you know, there's a there's a. Uh, a little citation note there and, and a bibliography from their own guys. Right. But he's saying, hey, we move, and that's a good thing. We live, that's a good thing. And he's basically saying that this material world is good. Mm -hmm. um, and then he concludes with the resurrection there, and that's when they just, they, they totally You're shut like, down. Okay, all right. Let's go to what, then this is what the Bible is saying. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, and a very familiar passage, but I think it merits us reading it. Genesis 1, 26 to 31. And Callie, when you get there, can you read that for us? Yeah, 26, 31, mm -hmm. okay. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Mm -hmm. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, 
See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Verse 30. Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So how is the world of the Greeks and the world of the Bible, how are they different? What is what is contrasted by those two worlds that Paul's trying to bring out? Yeah, so one thing is how what you just said of they they saw all this goodness was separate from what the like the physical experience of it. But here we see that that's what the Greeks thought. But here in creation, God is creating all he's creating human beings, he's created animals, he's created food, and he looks at all of it. He doesn't just partition like, oh, like the I guess the soul inside of these things that I made are good. Mm -hmm. He looks at everything and says that it is very good. Mm -hmm. So even just the, the view of what they are experiencing on this earth, God views it, and therefore Paul, because of God, views it very differently mm -hmm. um, as good, whereas the Greeks are like, this is all bad. And in addition to that, because the, the Greeks saw this as bad, they missed that the true issue that was going on was sin, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This is what led to the corruption. Right. This is Physical what led to the decay, right? right. So they're thinking like, oh yeah, you just gotta escape this and that's where the goodness is being encased in these physical realities. When in reality, the Bible is telling us here in creation, God said, be fruitful and multiply, right? And replenish, I created this food for your, it's for your good. So here we see a divine being affirming these physical things as positive, intrinsically good, and yet it is sin that has led to this decay. Yeah. It, is the, it is the fall of man that brought in an element that is really the core problem. So it's not that we need to be escaping from our corporal bodies and say, well, how do I get out of this physical shell or mm -hmm. get detached from food? But it's really saying, how do I escape from sin? And that wasn't a concept that was central to the Greek philosophy and understanding. Yeah, we see these elements today in society, don't, don't we? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like the, this, this body, this, 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 this hand, is this, <laughs> this flesh is evil. I need to scrape this flesh yeah. off me. I need to get to my real, per my real who I am is, is inside like here and it's like, but the, the, the body has like, it's trapped in this, but I need to free the spirit. Right. So then the body limits me, so I got to eat. So eating and, and diet and food, that's Sleep. a bad thing. Yeah. There's also be fruitful and multiply, sexuality. Yeah. By the way, you can go to uh, <laughs> hopetv.org slash university. Look at the whole section that we have, a whole series on sexuality, biblical sexuality, that God intended it to be good. Mm -hmm. that's right. yes? yes. And so uh, male, female, extracurricular, adult relationships in a marriage uh, are, are, are healthy, are, are permissible. It's, yes. it's Amen. part of goodness that God intended for us. Go ahead and preach. But there are some elements <laughs> in today's society where that's bad. Right. Yeah. And, and there's some of you because out there like, wow, you mentioned that on TV, on religious. Yeah. yeah, because it's <laughs> mentioned in the Bible. These are good things. Right. Amen. So why, why would, um, why is, is uh, Paul, uh, what am I trying to get at? When he mentions the resurrection, mm -hmm. why does the conversation completely shut down? I think it was mentioned earlier that if you're trying to divest yourself of this corporal body, yes. if you die and your worldview is that after you die, you have been divested now of the yes. corporal body and your 
soul spirit is floating around free now to be itself yes. why would you want to get back into a body yes. and be resurrected yes. um and i mean it it made even the concept of you know jesus being god coming in the flesh like a crazy concept for them so like yep. not just resurrection but the resurrection of jesus right yes. yeah. um <laughs> so the the, right. the the incarnation itself is a crazy concept Weird. yeah um because if you are escaping from this body and you become like you become gods, right? Um, in the Greek mindset, why would God confine Himself yeah. to not just a body, but to this body, this yeah. kind of body, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And then once He has finally freed Himself, <laughs> you know, He died on a cross and He's now free. He quote His spirit is free. Why would He come back and resurrect? I mean, all of it was just. I mean, it was just ludicrous. Yeah. What, yeah, what yeah. Paul was saying to yeah. him. And we're making fun of the Greek philosophers now, but. How much of that has come into not biblical Christianity, but general Christianity or general religion, period? Yeah. Also, mm. Kelly. I was going to say, go back. Oh, okay. Sebastian. Oh, yeah, Sebastian. Sebastian you can go ahead. You no, can no, Sebastian. No, no. You sure? Go. Okay. All right. Well, I, I think when you, when you look at the, the modern trajectory of Christianity today and adopting Greek philosophy, when things get really difficult and we're dealing with metaphysical realities, right, like life, existence, meaning, all these different things, we typically turn to Greek philosophy to explain time mm. and how does God know the future? Oh, we use the Greek concept of mm. irreducible, you know, there's no way there could be an infinite past we wouldn't arrive at today, which is a Greek concept. Mm -hmm. But again, you, you are using these things rather than scripture as a, a basis of authority of understanding man, what is significant for man and what God's plan is for men. Mm -hmm. And so we may be thinking that we're using the Bible, but we're actually we're not drawing from the Bible, we're using the Bible to prove a Greek idea that we already possess yeah. in our minds, rather than subjecting our ideas and philosophies to Scripture. Yeah. And to say, well, but is that really what the Bible says? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if I just culturally imbibe that this is this concept, yeah. and that this is how God functions, is the Greek concept of a God. And what yeah, the a God super is. common belief in Christianity is when you die, your bodies are released and your, your, your spirits are floating around. Not just in, all in Christianity, but also in Buddhism and in yeah. Eastern religions. Yeah. That you are, uh, at least in the traditions of Korea that I'm familiar, mm -hmm. because your parents are closer or your grandparents are closer to death, when you experience death, your spirit is freed, and they have now reached some level of of divinity, that's why you revere or respect the elders because mm. they're closer to that than you are and they're going to reach heaven faster than you are so you better be good with them because if you're not, because they're going to do something up there to make it hard down here. So there's all this, you know, age is a factor and every mm. part of the world has a version of this. Right. Uh, but Christianity, or biblical Christianity I should say, is opposite to that. Yeah. yeah, Kelly. A general going back to your other question about general Christianity of we still see this demonization or just like this is really bad of anything that our body wants. Mm. So like sexuality, very very bad. Mm. Like do it to have children, but like it shouldn't be enjoyable. The minimal yeah experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like mm. they'll talk about it. Like we just it has to happen, but like shh, don't talk about it. Yes. And so it's very bad. And even things like eating certain ways or just how we take care of our bodies, like it's, it's a burden and it's awful and we have to do it because we're just trapped sure. here. And so it, it's like we're integrated humans, but it's almost like reluctantly so. Yes. Like, oh, we're confined by this. Versus if we read scripture and we also just live our lives, we can notice that the best way to live an abundant life is to live an integrated life. So my spirituality is directly impacted by my mental health. 
My mental health is directly impacted by my physical health. Mm -hmm. My physical health is directly impacted by my social health and my spirituality. Like all those things are a part of who I am. Mm. It's not like, man, I guess I need to eat because I need to do, it's like, no, like that, that's just a part of the experience of being a human. Mm. And it all impacts because I don't have a soul, I am a soul. Mm -hmm. And that is a part of my physical body as well as the breath that's in my body mm -hmm. as well. Absolutely. You also have the other experience in, in, that, that people have is like, because this doesn't matter, Right. 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 Absolutely. I'm just going to go matter. and yeah. my sexual experience is going to be, you know, and then yeah. my dietary <laughs> experience is going to be, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But because God has given us these bodies and they're, they're integral to as uh, our, our definition as a soul, mm -hmm. yeah. right? my, the spirit plus the dust together as a soul, mm -hmm. that God does give instructions on our diet. God yep. does give us instructions on our, our sexual behavior. And right. he has the right to do so because mm -hmm. we, we uh, attribute him to be our creator. Yep. Yeah. And another thing of, we talked about how the Greeks just thought all this physical stuff was bad. They all thought like time was bad, right? Being like, just being taken out of that. But there's things they would point to make sense. Like our bodies do deteriorate. And that's true. Mm -hmm. And time does bring about this deterioration. Also true. Mm -hmm. But what we, what we miss and what I believe they missed is that the the fault doesn't lie with the passing of time. Mm. The fault doesn't lie with the bodies that God has entrusted to us. The fault lies with sin. Mm -hmm. And so like Adam and Eve were never meant to grow old. That wasn't supposed to be a thing. They were never supposed to die. Flowers were never supposed to lose their petals. Mm -hmm. Like that, that passage of time, because it's our norm, we almost think like, oh yeah, that's the way it is. And that must be the bad thing. But the bad thing, the destructive thing, the death, the decay thing is sin. It's not time and physicality. Mm -hmm. Amen, yeah. amen, amen. How do we get rid of these Greek ideas? Why do these old Greek men from an islands from far long time ago, why <laughs> have they impacted our society so much? How do we get these Greek men out of our minds? <laughs> We, we have to immerse ourselves in God's ideas. Mm. And that's, I mean, when... In verse. Yeah, we have to get in the verse. <laughs> yes. Like when Paul, when Paul interacts with, with these philosophers, mm. he draws them back to, you know, he starts in Genesis, God who, who made the world, right? Um, bringing back to scripture, bringing back to what truth is actually in God's word. And that is how we counter the false narratives, not just from society, false narratives from how we were raised, right. false narratives. I mean, just all of these scripts that are constantly bombarding us. It's by spending time in God's word mm -hmm. and it mm -hmm. transforms us. The great question we have to ask is, are you a disciple of Jesus or are you a disciple of Socrates? And with the ideas that are floating in our minds, a lot of us are actually following Socrates and our Aristotle and Plato and whatnot. We need to immerse our minds with the words of Jesus and the words of the Holy Spirit found in Scripture and let them work themselves out in our lives, whether it's our bodies or whether it's our spiritual lives. I know my prayer is, Lord, help me to get out of these Greek ideas and get into more of your Bible, the Word of God. Okay, that's a prayer of you guys out there. Amen. You guys out there too. God bless you. We'll see you next week as we continue our talk on the state of the dead. And it's our last episode and you won't want to miss it. So see you next week here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse. A Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. 
Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.